right back at it again with another episode of your favorite podcast, the See For Yourself podcast, the only podcast with its own satellite orbital laser. I am your host, Chig Chiggy Boom, and I am joined today by that uh, you know you know when you wake up and your mouth's been open all night, and so you go to swallow, but instead you just make the loudest click known to man. That noise is my name. I, I imagine is that a Norwegian name? A Finnish, but like I can understand why you'd think that. It sounds like it'd be from Helsinki. I have a wonderful movie for us today. the The name of the movie for today is Sideways, and I'll jump right into the uh, the blurb for us. This is a movie that neither of us have seen. I've not seen it. Have you? Have not you even you. It? Oh God, no. No, I've not seen it. No. Have you? Have you even heard of this movie? No. No. Um, you- I mean, tell me more about it because there's plenty of movies that I've watched, and I'm like, I don't know what. Like, uh, I've only recently begun to memorize the fact that Titan AE is the name of a movie that took me a long time to describe to people because i didn't know the name titan ae is a weird movie to be honest with you it's a very Um, strange movie but i love it no it's it's the the fucked up part is it was a good film and nobody went to go see it because it just kind of looked weird yeah but i buy that it didn't even look bad or anything it's just people didn't like the way it looked and it's like okay well if it's not your style that's fine but like you should still probably you know go and support it just on the off chance and it was good it was a good movie i don't know a lot of people are very superficial about movies and i think that's part of my my ongoing never-ending theory that i'll always talk about the the idea of like i'm not going to watch anything that was made before 1970 and it's just like a big part of that is aesthetics it just looks weird to you so you're not going to watch it i guess Um, so i don't know i hate i hate trailers for that aspect i'd rather somebody give me like the blurb like i like i like doing these blurbs and being like huh that sounds like an interesting movie and i'd love to see what they do with it as opposed to like you know whatever commercials do for you yeah i don't i don't find that uh commercials and specifically trailers do do much for me either but with that in mind i will give you the blurb for sideways really quick miles takes his engaged friend jack on a trip to wine country for a last single guy bonding experience and that's the plot of the film. Okay. For for the record, and you know, again, there are a, f- a certain number of key features that we allow to be known before we go into these movies. The movie is considered a romantic comedy. You know, I was I was wondering about that. With that in mind, uh, the blurb doesn't give me much to bite onto, but the title "Sideways" makes me think that. Um, because there's there's a couple of connotations with the word sideways, right? Uh, specifically, like, if you go on a trip and things go sideways, things have gone off the rails, a bit askew. But also, since it's a romantic comedy, sideways is also the position that you fuck people in. So I think he's going to leave his wife for his friend, and they're going to live in wine country on a vineyard. I do not know. Like, like- <laughs> So there are times where I'm like, I haven't seen anything of this, but maybe I caught a trailer or something and I have like an inkling. I do not. I don't have any of that. I would love, I would love if I just stumbled on this like iconic gay movie. The movie's from like 2004. So it would be, it would be bizarre for a 2004 <laughs> film. Like oh. this is, this is during the time of like, don't ask, don't tell. Like you couldn't even let. When, when ne- was the birdcage made? Oh shit. But the birdcage got away with it by being like a funny movie. I mean, maybe sideways. This is a romantic too. comedy. Yeah, maybe maybe nine, 96 was Birdcage. All right, so we're not that far off. Yeah. If anything, we should be even more progressive by 2004. Uh, you would think, right? What? <laughs> a lot of what decides like how progressive you're allowed to be in a movie is like who is president at the time. I was just about to ask if George Bush was president at the time. <laughs> I do believe he would be, yeah. George W. Bush would be president at this time. And, you know, he just wasn't great to, to that. Uh, but uh, uh, I'm going to go ahead and predict they don't even make it to wine country. No? Because you were just saying the, the trip goes sideways. 
maybe that's what it is. They're like, we're going to go to wine country together and just have some wines in, in, in Italy or France or wherever. Well, and, that's a uh, good point. Where is where is wine country? Like, where do they start and end in this film? Where is Because there's Californian wine country. Yeah, uh, if it's if it's in America, it'll probably be California. So, that, yeah, there's a couple of different ways this could go. They could be like Americans who are going to Italy. Maybe this is a French film. And like, we're doing that thing again where we're just stumbling into a movie that's made in a different country. Everyone's speaking a different language. And we're just like, oh, shit. We thought like with with the feast episode. Remember that where it just ended up being like a Welsh gem or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And we're completely ignorant to that because again, and this is I'm gonna keep saying this till the day we stop doing this podcast. I think this is the beauty of the podcast is we we don't know. We go in pretty fucking blind. Uh, I especially like that when you're when you're also going in blind. I can't. And I feel like that's happening. Long. That's happening more often now. So we've just stopped calling them golden episodes. But now it's like no, no. We still call them golden episodes. We just oh, okay. We keep it to ourselves. We don't want to be all, you know, braggy about it or whatever. Right. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, it's nice because I just go into these movies being like, all right, teach me the movie. And you're like, yep, I haven't seen it either. I'm like, cool. They're gay. (laughs) That's (laughs) (laughs) just all right. Right off the bat. They fall in love. They're gay with each other. They drop their fiance or whatever have you. And, you know, or maybe he's gay the whole time. His fiance is a, your your fiance doesn't have to be a woman. It can be a, it can be a man, right? Yeah, clearly. Fiance means man too. So, yeah. Is there some connotation with, like, wine country as your bachelor party that, like, might suggest that, they, like, his fiance is another man? And so, can you read me the blurb again? Because, like, I didn't pay attention to the blurb at all. I just, I heard sideways in wine country. Uh, Miles takes his engaged friend Jack on a trip to wine country for a last single guy bonding experience. Single guy bonding experience. Which is- so, that means, so that means his friend there is also not married. Yeah, so in my mind, it's weird that they would say single guy bonding experience because when you're at the point of becoming a fiance, you're not single. You're what are you talking about? A lot of people, a lot of like that that culture of marriage and whatnot tries to treat like your bachelor party or whatever as your last day as a single man, but like you're not single. You've been dating this person for presumably months. Long enough to least. engage them. Yeah. Yeah. Even on like the the like shorter end of the spectrum for these types of relationships, you would at least be together for a couple of months. I've heard of people doing it like where they marry a girl that they've only been dating for like one month, but that's that's considered like you have not been with her very long. So assuming this guy's been with this woman for a couple of months at the very least, I don't think he considers himself a single guy. <laughs> So maybe maybe that's part of the maybe that's part of the story is his friend is like, hey, you're a single guy. And he's like, no, I'm not. To me, that seems kind of basic. I'd like it a little bit more if both of them were like, yep, we're single guys and they're just being fucking the worst people ever. And the fun in wine country is maybe half of the movie and the other half of the movie is them dealing with the consequences of all the hookers and blow that they did while they were in wine country. This is just fucking um the hangover but in wine country yeah you mentioned earlier you were like well does like going to wine country have like a certain connotation that's like well wine is kind of like not considered a a, a masculine bachelor party activity you know because right. because we were like oh well his fiance doesn't have a woman and it's like it doesn't is, the, is there a connotation there like with wine country because i've definitely never heard of like yeah man we set up your stag party and, and it's it's gonna be wild we're gonna have a wine tasting and uh maybe a nice little charcuterie, charcuterie board i think they're gonna do if i'm I, I hate doing this but i'm gonna make a realistic prediction here it's gonna be a straight guy getting married to a straight woman the friend is going to be he's gonna be into wine right it's gonna be a reason why he wants to do wine maybe he owns like a, a vineyard or he like his dad is like a wine connoisseur or something like that that makes it reasonable for him to say 
let's go and do wine because uh, my dad can get us free wine for a whole week out in uh, Martha's Vineyard or out in, you know, wherever. And that'd be a cool thing that I can do for you as your like last hurrah. Uh, and what if he's a snob about it the whole time too, where it's like they go out to some, uh, some winery and uh, he throws a whole fit and he's like, I'm not going to be here drinking Chardonnay like a fucking peasant. That's how Sounds wine fun. people are. That's how they do. <laughs> I don't drink white wine. Fuck that. (laughs) (laughs) I also see it as being possible that it's like wedding crashers, you know, where like the guy is trying to convince the guy who's about to get married that like wine tastings are the untapped market. You know, you go over to Italy, you go to a wine tasting out there and everyone there is having five or six wines back to back to back. And then they're going out for more wine and then dinner in the course of that, you should try to like, you know, have your last hurrah, pick up some chicks, see if this girl's really the one for you, man. Maybe he's trying to convince him not to get married, you know? Or maybe, uh, maybe this guy's just like one of those forever bachelors. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's, there's a societal thing with, with like wine that we're not getting here. And it's like, instead of just being the guy that's like, yeah, man, I go out to the, go out to the bar and crush, crush a bunch of brewskis with the buds. And he's actually like, no, I, um, I'm a professional sommelier. It's actually like the rock star of the wine industry is what I am. And uh, he's trying to convince his friend to be like, no, you could just do this with me. We can we can travel all over the world tasting wine and banging chicks. And he's like, no, I'm actually pretty happy getting married and, and working at the lawyer's office that I work at. I hate to bring this up, and I feel like it's probably inevitable at this point, given the history of our podcast. But uh, is it possible that this is a buddy cop movie? A buddy cop movie. You know what? <laughs> this is per- That's what's gone sideways. They go out. This is this is hostile, but at a winery they fucking oh. they, <laughs> they, go, they go out on their wine tasting spree, and um, somebody in their in their band of traveling sommeliers gets abducted, and now him and his buddy have to go undercover in the wine industry. Did you mean this is taken, but with winos? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Hostel's a very different movie. <laughs> uh, whatever, I don't know. <laughs> when you said it i'm like oh that's dark but i love the idea <laughs> no no no, that too i i didn't actually see hostile <laughs> oh, oh hostile is about like classism <laughs> oh yeesh oh my god <laughs> i mean classism would fit with wine wouldn't it it kind of does because like wine is considered one of the like like beer is the poor man's option or even liquor if you're smart about it yeah um, yeah w- wine is how rich people get slushed yeah and and they drink like a ton of it and it's like supposed to be good for you but like not when you drink it like that <laughs> well that's the thing like every time i've been like yeah i'll bring a bottle of wine over and then i look at it and i'm like i look at the percentage and then i drink a bit and i'm like so am i supposed to bring a bottle for everybody because the- <laughs> how do you even get down on this stuff I don't, I don't know how that's like become a, a normalized thing where it's like, yeah, you bring one bottle of wine to a party of like 12 people. I'm like, what, what do 12 people do with one bottle of wine? <laughs> right. just- do we, we pass it around and sniff it and put it back in the bottle and return it. We pass it around and sniff it. And by the time everyone's had one sniff, it's all gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's wild. God, oh. I've been to brunches where we do fucking uh, mimosas or something like that. And like. I don't know what the recipe for a mimosa is, but my recipe is mostly the Prosecco. And the Prosecco comes in little half wine bottles, and I'm like, you brought you brought two of these? Yeah, and two bottles of orange juice, and it's like, cool. And what are you going to drink? <laughs> so you have the two bottles of orange juice, and I'll have the two bottles of orange <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that... Uh... And I know I, I hate to say this to you because I know it, it boils your blood, but uh, do you think that they'll actually talk about how alcoholism is bad in this movie in any way? Ooh, no, because it's wine. If we were going to vodka distilleries, 
then maybe. And even even then, like, there's high-class vodka. But, you know, there's just this perception of wine as being, like, the high-class. The alcoholics don't drink wine. Even though we call them winos, they, they, there's no alcoholics that are drinking wine. And so we're not, I don't think we're going to use this as a talk about alcoholism. Although, again, uh, if we if we go back to the title being sideways, that is uh, how you end up when you've drunk too much. I'm really hoping there will be some scenes where people get too drunk and things kind of get out of hand and there's some repercussion for that. And it's sort of like a sort of a somber note. I don't love making down to earth predictions, but, you know, that's going to be the thing that breaks up the team at the end of the second act, starting the third act. Right. Where it's like, oh, last night things got too crazy and you said some shit you can't unsay. And it's like, we got to split up, even though tomorrow's the wedding. No, I'm not going to go. Fuck you. Because you said that my ass looks too fat in these jeans. And he's going to be like, no, dog, I was saying fat with a P8. You don't understand. It's it's too late. I'm already gone. Damn. And he's like, I guess I'll marry this woman. I don't really want to marry because I just I just want to be with my bro, Jack. Whatever his name was. Um, Jack Mihoff. <laughs> get it? Get it? <laughs> oh, man. I'm taking him across state lines for fucking horses. <laughs> oh, no. What is the... Do you think the comedy is going to be a certain type of comedy? Because I've already kind of like highlighted some of the types of movies that sort of play in this arena where it's like, you know, frat guy comedy, right? Like, oh, we're just drinking and having so much fun and banging chicks and all women are whores. <laughs> or do you think it'll be more like uh, like a dark comedy kind of thing where it's like, oh, everything is death. Drinking is death. Getting married is... What are we, what are we looking at here? What's the comedy angle for this film? I don't want to like pigeonhole this as having some sort of highbrow dark humor, like highbrow classist humor or... Uh, fucking anything like that just because it's wine but it it does feel like it's gonna go that way right because this isn't just like like the hangover has a certain connotation just with the name and the fact that this is about like a wine jaunt it's like how can you have that same sort of comedy when you're uh what's what's the word you know when when you're when you're taking a gondola down uh the riviera i think that's exactly what you call it right that's probably what it is isn't it yeah i think so i think you nailed it (laughs) perfect um No, what what if that's like one of the scenes though? Like they they're having this bro moment, like as they're being like rafted down the river, and and the guy who's like pushing them along with the stick is like, hey, that's uh, that's actually incredibly reductive, um, <laughs> and tries to like make them more intelligent. And they're like, nah, man, pour another one. What if that's the joke? Is that everything they're doing? They're like, yeah, we're just having like cool platonic man on man friendship here, and everybody's just constantly like, hey, you know that. Uh, riding a gondola is kind of like a thing that you would do with your lover and not with like a, a buddy. That's kind of, kind of, kind of weird. That's that what you... the, that's what the gondola driver is going to say. It's like, no oh, man, we're, we're just here doing a wine run because it's a bromance. And he's like, actually, you can just call it a romance. You don't have to like say no homo afterwards. Yeah. It's, it's true. This movie was just way ahead of its time. <laughs> uh, yeah. You're in, you're in Europe. We're, we're cool with gay people in 2004. Why wouldn't we be? Yeah. I don't know. You know, actually, the Romans, and they're like, you shut up right now. (laughs) (laughs) That would be lovely. (laughs) I I would genuinely enjoy that. Oh, you know, in in Greece, actually. (laughs) (laughs) They have these baths. I don't know if you've ever thought about, you know, a bath before, but... I would like it if this if this movie goes to Europe. That's a prediction I want to make. Is we go to Europe, I'd like that. That would that would make me happy. Is, um, when did there was um and fairly recently a big resurgence? Not a resurgence because it was never surged in the first place. Like an up and coming of Californian wine, and I feel like that might have been around the same time period. So I do think that California is like 
a valid place for this to have shown. What if this has nothing to do about the relationship and this is just a biopic of the Californian wine industry? Oh no. That's that's genuinely possible. I might have accidentally stumbled upon a movie that's like, yeah, we're just trying to sell people wine. Oh and that's, Lord. That's all this is, is just like it's <laughs> we've overblown if, this entire romance comedy. You mean the romance of the Chardonnay? Of the American people in the wine industry? Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> the perfect pairing, as you might say. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But yeah, I feel like it was about that time that California was like showing up on the world wine market, like with any uh, semblance of credibility. I do not know. I am unreasonably ignorant to wine and wine related things. Um, it would be nice to learn a couple more things about wine through this film. And I'm hoping that it's kind of like that, where like one guy's like an expert and he's just giving out wine facts that I can like Google and be like, is that real? And like, oh shit, damn, they really do make this in only one part of Italy. That's nuts. You know? what, what if one of them is like that? The other one's just like, no, I bring a bottle of wine because that's what you do uh, to, to be polite, right? And the guy's like, you fucking swine you brought Riesling that's like children's wine I served that at the birthday parties I wouldn't give this to my dog <laughs> I hope I hope that there's somebody who's like a reprehensible wine snob in this maybe that's what it is like that's the villain of the movie like they get to the wine tasting and they're like trying to hit on chicks or whatever and then there's one guy who's like only peasants come here to pick up the women a real man would be here to drink fucking wine <laughs> <laughs> And they're like, no, no, bro, we're here for the for the chicks. And he's just like, no, no. That is totally unbased of you. <laughs> the most beta thing I've heard all week. <laughs> Based and Riesling pilled? <laughs> <laughs> he's just sitting there like a true like he's just he's just the giga chad, you know, like he's just got the big fucking jawline and the huge muscles right. and he's just holding the smallest <laughs> glass of wine and like sniffing it and like pressing it to his lips and like mm, yes it's gonna be the most dramatic scene too like they're gonna be hitting on chicks and it's just like yes you want to come back to my place and it cuts over there oh yeah you can really smell the oakiness <laughs> <laughs> oh man i would love that they, maybe they're like all right man let's fight and he's like no we don't fight with our fists we fight with our wine tasting <laughs> They're like, in the usual way, the usual way. And they set up like a 10 flight wine wine tasting and they're like, we'll see who's really the man here. Yeah. And maybe like the first time he like just completely humiliates them and everyone's laughing and they're like, God damn it. And they go through like a training montage where like one guy's like double fisting <laughs> him and he's like, is that Pinot Noir? Pinot Noir is trash. <laughs> they're like crying like oh god you're right i hate pinot noir i don't know why, why uh, do, you, do you remember that? fucking um beer fest yes yeah <laughs> it's, it's beer fest but with wine i will say beer fest has one of those like hidden gem uh jokes in it that is just impossibly good like there's yeah. no reason this movie would have a joke so fucking good in it Wait, which joke are you referring to because there's one that i always reference it's the one, I think it's probably the same one, because this is kind of an iconic bit, and it's where the more rotund gentleman on the team dies at one point. Yeah. And then, like, his cousin comes and joins the team, and he's like, actually, uh, I also have been, like, drinking very heavily and getting prepared for having a bunch of drinks, and I could probably drink as much, if not more, than my dead cousin or twin or, or whatever. And I, and I just want to honor him, and it's like, you know, I know I look like him, and I sound like him, and so really, it wouldn't hurt if you just used his name for me as well. <laughs> yeah, I'd be, I'd be honored by that. And actually, I've been talking to his wife, and we're thinking about moving in with each other. <laughs> <laughs> 
That joke is impossibly good. Are we going to get that out of this movie? Is this movie going to have one of those impossibly, like, meta, hilarious, breaking the fourth wall kind of jokes? God, I don't think it will, but wouldn't it be nice if it was the same dude again with a different mustache? Farva, wherever you are. I don't know the actor's name. Farva. Right. Everyone knows him as Farva. Forever in my mind. Because he did a great job as Farva. He really did. Like, he got me interested in that actor enough to try to look up other movies he was in, and that led me to beer. That's the character. That's the role that for me just was, I was like, there it is. It'll never get any better than this. This is per- this is the top of the mountain forever. For probably any comedic actor. This is the, <laughs> this is the litmus test I will judge them against, and they will always come up short. <laughs> okay, but we're, we're kind of coming up on that time. So uh, is there any last minute predictions you want to get out there? Something something crazy or something not so crazy? Something that you're... I feel like I hit all the crazy ones. So like, what's, what's a more reasonable thing about the, the wine tasting journey? God, if it's a romantic comedy, like what what's the formula here he's gonna i know in the in the reverse gendered situation here the significant other would be too wrapped up in doing the fucking like actual good spouse thing they're like yes i'll stay at home and i'll take care of our children and i'll continue to go to work and then they're gonna go on their wine journey and they're gonna be like man i just want some fun in my life and like all they care about is like providing me with a home and and i just and they're gonna meet some badass wine snob who's like hey i'll show you how to live like a rock star uh, but like we can't afford a house because we're rock stars in the wine industry. And he's like, honey, I'm going to leave you to go live in this tent in the hills of Italy. And she goes, yep, perfectly understandable. I wish you the best. And that's how the, <laughs> that's how the movie's going to go. Like a Hallmark special. I'm interested in the version of this movie that just has nothing to do with the wife or the fiance. She's just like an afterthought, really. I think that might be kind of cool, you know, and and they wrap it up by him being like, actually, uh, I've decided I'm going to live the bachelor life, just roaming the countryside, going from vineyard to vineyard with my best buddy by my side. I think that's a cool ending to the film. But I also, in the back of my head, I'm like, it is kind of fucked up that a lot of these types of movies just are like, disregard women, acquire other women. Sexual <laughs> conquests. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's like sort of how they do it. So I I guess I'm not fulfilled with either of those options. I just I just like the idea of like platonic bro movie. Um, you, you just reminded me of a, there's a Ninja Sex Party song. Um, I forget what it's called, but it's like him having sex around the world. And it starts off with like, yeah, I've been dating this girl and it's going great uh but if we on go- if we go on one more date we're gonna have a meaningful relationship and fuck that so we're going across the world or what however the fuck it goes you know and like what if it's just that and he's like man i almost i almost married that bitch yeah that would have been really stupid right i know right yeah <laughs> That would be, that is kind of the formula for these. The worst version of this film, and I, God, I hope this doesn't happen, is the movie starts out, he's hanging out with his best buddy, they're having a good night together, and he's like, oh, hey, you know, you should really try wine more often, I don't know why you're always drinking beer, and he's like, nah, man, I don't get into that stuff, that stuff's lame, he's like, all right, well, I hope you have a good night tonight, and he's like, yeah, I'm going home to my fiance. she's the best. Let's wrap up drinking early, actually, because I just love my fiance so much. Goes home, gets there early, catches her banging some other dude, and then he's like, screw you, I'm gonna go on a self-affirming journey to learn about myself through wine with my best buddy oh my god that's how it's gonna go isn't it god damn it like as you spoke those words i was like yeah and in 2004 lord that it, it's like when we watched um what the fuck is it tales of the road or something like that with um mm-hmm. yeah, it, you're, you're basically describing yeah you're describing that right now and i'm like oh 
they would do that again, but in one country, wouldn't they? Well, yeah, uh, the old school episode did the same thing too, but they had the audacity to like kink shame the woman for wanting to have group sex. Like, God forbid anybody want to have sex that's not just like missionary style one-on-one stuff. Then there's like a litany of movies that do this. And it's really fucked up because the like, if you look up the percentages on this, it's insane, but consistently it's the girl uh, cheats on the guy. Even though if you look up like the real life percentages for this, guys cheat on women a lot more. Right. Dudes don't want to see that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, this movie made me feel bad about things I've done or thought about doing. Just to be uh, transparent with you, and I feel like this is something we should include. I came across this movie because I was I had sort of stumbled upon a uh, a fun fact about it. There is a phenomenon named after this movie. It's called the sideways effect. Okay. Would you care would you care to guess what that phenomenon describes? The sideways effect is a phenomenon that that sparked this movie or is just named the same as this movie? You no, know, this movie came out, something happened as a result of the movie. Research was done and it legitimized the fact that this phenomenon happens. They're going to shit on a certain type of wine and wine sales are going to go down for that type of wine. I'll go ahead and tell you that is exactly what happened. Oh, I'm getting too good for this. Yeah, I will. I will give that to you. They shit on one wine, and he, they, he. Apparently, one of the characters gives like a an explanation of why this wine sucks and why this other wine is better, and the sales basically inverted, where sales were going up for that wine before the movie, and then it started going down, and the opposite is, is true for the wine that uh, he spoke well of, where the sales for that one were going down, but then started going up. Dra- it's like a like a complete one eighty for both of them. No shit. Yeah, there, there's something similar, but not quite that has happened recently. Have you have you been paying out to all this shit happening with Twitter? Oh, where like Elon Musk takes over it. And now everybody fucking hates Twitter. Uh, So there's that. But there's also the fact that he's uh brought out his new business model, where instead of however you got verified as whoever you were before, you now just have to pay eight dollars and get the little verified icon. Have you heard that? Yeah. So you can you can just make a Donald Trump Twitter and be like, I'll pay eight dollars. And now I'm Donald Trump. Yes. So there's a company that. um makes the diabetes thing oh yeah yeah yeah. and they lost uh yeah it's like eli Lilly or something like that and somebody yeah. made a, a confirmed eli Lilly account and they're like uh whatever uh insulin we're, we're making insulin free now and um fucking invest <laughs> their stock price plummeted yeah investors sold all their shares like let's get out now while the getting's good yeah they're like these idiots we're leaving um and then <laughs> and it's just ongoing now where it's like Man, I ch- my bad guys. I I forgot that profits mattered more. Actually, we're jacking that shit right up. And like it, I don't think it's recovered yet. I've talked about this a handful of times in in previous episodes, but I genuinely believe that movies have a weird power over like public like perception, ev- ev- everyday you know viewers, you know just regular people who are just going to movies and they really think you can hit someone in the back of the head with a baseball bat and they'll just go to sleep for a couple of minutes and then wake up and be perfectly healthy. I think that there's probably a good spin on that too. Like not in that exact case, but I was reading something about like, like representation in movies and like, it doesn't matter for most people, but there's always going to be that, that one person that was like, yeah, I grew up seeing white Superman. And then I finally saw black Spider-Man and it made me feel recognized. I think that is a, a completely separate issue, but it is, it is worth noting that like, I mean, movies do, do this to you. Like movies yeah. can do a thing. Yeah. Um, they, they can have a direct, effect on you and and i think that 
in representation, that's really, really cool. But in like what, showing... what we were talking about is like people people understanding what reality is and like how it works and like like oh and... the 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 people that are like, Oh, I could probably survive a three story drop because I saw it in a movie and it's like actually a two foot drop could kill you. So I don't know why you think this. Yeah. We make that joke all the time where I'm like, Oh, you know, I think we live on the third story and I'm like, I'm just gonna jump off. They're like, well, a third story might not even kill you. And I'm like, I'm always standing at a height where if I fell over, I could die. So <laughs> consider that. <laughs> right. Movies do kind of have a way of painting what you think can possibly happen. And in in the light of like, wow, I saw like a, a, a black character being altruistic and kind and generous and, and, and honorable and noble. And for some reason where I'm living, everybody's saying they can't be that way. But in the movie, they were, and it seemed right. I don't know. Maybe if enough movies like that came out, we could just get rid of racism altogether and have a sideways effect, but for racism. It's just Hollywood's really shitty about that. Yeah, no shit. I, I get I get where you're coming from. Like, yeah, there is like a direct correlation between what people think is possible, including and not limited to racial uh, inequality or sexual inequality, those those types of things, you know. You're, you're talking about a very more like low to the ground fucking. Um, yeah. I, I think that if somebody covers my mouth with chloroform, I will immediately pass out. And it's like, actually, nah. Yeah. And, and including things like, you know, what is it? Uh, enough people on TV were saying Nickelback is a bad band. And then everybody was just like, oh, yeah, Nickelback sucks. We all hate Nickelback. And like Nickelback's fans are still Nickelback's fans. But like the people who are, they didn't care about Nickelback now just have this negative opinion about Nickelback, even though they don't. They never listen. cared in the first place. Yeah. Or, or they were never going to care. Like they were never going to listen to Nickelback until a couple of comedians or a couple of, you know, uh, TV shows or whatever kept making the joke of like Nickelback's the worst band that's ever existed. And it's like, nope, they're not the worst band ever. Stop. Don't fucking believe everything you fucking hear on TV and everything you see in movies and whatnot. Jesus Christ. And the same is probably true for this movie. The wine he's going to name is going to be like one that's like, no, it's not the worst. What the fuck are you talking about? And even the idea of a worst wine is kind of fucking bullshit <sighs> wine opinions in general have like a historical tendency to be bullshit yeah what was it they did that test where they literally put food coloring in white wine to make it look like red wine and everybody had like a different opinion of like what the red wine was or yeah or they just fucking they swapped labels on like some fucking box wines like they poured box wine into some fucking old ass bottle with an old ass label and they're like ah yes i knew this would be an 82 by not just by the label but by the fact that you can taste the and it's like actually that's a that's a box of Franzia circa 2021. Uh. That's the great value brand wine. Way to go, yeah. buddy. <laughs> they literally made it last week. That's exactly why I'll never buy like a diamond or whatever. I'll just buy like one of the like fake. <laughs> the cubic the fake. zirconia, fake yeah. like manufactured diamonds. Yeah, for sure. There's there's not a way in hell I'll buy a real diamond in my entire life. Just never. I could be the richest man alive. I could be the next fucking Jeff Bezos. And I'd be like, uh, no, nah, keep your way overpriced rock. I'll buy this one that was made by a scientist and is perfect in every way. And a quarter of the price for some reason. Right. Or the fucking like the gradations on gemstones is ridiculous because it's like you would think the more interesting and rare the configuration was it's like actually i'm really interested in this uh this ruby that happens to have like a, a streak of, of jade running through it or something like that and like oh yeah that's actually trash because it's not pure and it's like diamonds are the most boring fucking rock you can buy 
uh, yeah, genuinely, I'd, I'd much rather see like a jade or a ruby or a sapphire, one of those more interesting looking. And that's just my ignorant, I don't know shit about stones idea of like what would be an interesting rock to put on a ring, you know? I, I remember somebody telling me this like great idea they had for a wedding ring where it's like they were going to get a diamond and then they were going to have the diamond like split in half and then fucking like put one half in one ring and one half in the other. And I'm like, oh, that's that sounds really that sounds sweet and it's meaningful and whatever. And uh, they're like, yeah, we were going to do this. And everybody we brought the idea to was like, but that's going to ruin the value of the diamond. All right. Did the arbitrary value that you've placed upon it? I'm yeah. sorry. Jesus Christ. But enough talk about diamonds that I'm definitely going to have to cut. Uh-uh, get it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> good, good, good guesses all around everybody. Good go, go team. Good hustle. Out yeah, there. Yeah, I, I'll pat you all on the butt as soon as we uh, get off this shit. Mm-hmm. Go team. We are back from yet another movie that hit a lot harder than we expected it to. <laughs> Didn't it, though? I was really impressed with some of the performances in this movie. Were there were there any standout performances for you? People that you just thought were acting their asses off? I really like that scene where Stephanie is just beating the crap out of what's-his-face. Jack. I don't know. I don't know why that... Yeah, Jack. Jack Mihoff. I don't know why that one kind of stood out to me, but, like, I just liked how she was sitting all calm and collected on the staircase, and he's like, hey, honey... I got a big stuffed bear for for our favorite girl and just pummels the crap out of him. And like the flip felt really good for me. I like that scene because it it didn't downplay how fucked up you could get by somebody hitting you in the face with like a helmet. Basically, that was also good. I think rather than like a person acting specifically like the, the gritty realism of most of it and like the fact that none of it, not none of it, but there were parts of it that didn't get wrapped up as cleanly as like your typical Hallmark movie. But before I get too far into this, I do want to say that like we're constantly criticizing the film industry for not showing dong, and we got full dong. We we got full <laughs> fucking dong. I was about to say I, I wanted to mention that we got, we finally got full dong. We've been in this for so long, we never get full dong. We finally got our full dong in a movie we did not expect to get full dong in. Right. Actually, that whole scene, I was like, oh, that's probably like as tasteful as you can get for like a fucking sex scene. You know, we, we, we didn't have titties in our face the whole fucking movie, despite the fact that like the subplot for a good chunk of the time was like, I'm getting married. I need to get my rocks off. We didn't see as much titty as I thought, but we got full middle aged man dong. And how brave. What a handsome dong it was, too. What a beautiful dong. We did get titty in the scene just before that. There was one titty in the film, and it's sort of like haphazardly hanging from the side. It's not like a full frontal view or anything. Uh, Blink and you'll miss it, titty. Yeah. Um, The dong is much harder to miss. It is right fucking there. It's like center center of shot. Mm -hmm. Inside car, framed by the car window. Yeah, full dong. And then he's chasing behind and we're just zoomed in on him with his dong. Yeah, the thing Uh, you're supposed to pay attention to in the scene is Paul Giamatti running towards the car, like the character Miles running towards the car. As soon as he gets like halfway to the car, right behind him is this naked man running at him. Your eyes still right there watching Paul Giamatti. That's where all the action is. They are not trying to hide the dong. It's not a secret dong. It is. It's dong time. I I I thought that that was uh, I thought that was fun and worth mentioning. Mm-hmm. The, the the character whose performance I really loved in this movie was Paul Giamatti. Uh, Miles's character and the way that he portrays like a man who's like anxious and feels sensitive and is struggling with a lot of stuff. I believed him. I, I really believed it. I believed the performance. I believed the the sorrow and the suffering and the anxieties 
I think he did a great job. No, I agree. I tend to feel weird being like the the guy who's the main actor. I liked his acting. It's like, all right, I, I wanted to give some credit to somebody who was not like the focal point of the film. But I agree. Like uh, you had mentioned before that, like uh, if I thought there was going to be some talk about alcoholism and like they touch on it without bringing it to the point of stereotype, except for that one where he's drinking the swill bucket. Like, I guess that is to the point of hyperbole. I, I do think he's doing that more as like a show of like, fuck you. If you're going to tell me I can't drink, I'll find a way. He's not like really drinking it. He's like, like if he like sipped from it slowly and like chugged it down, that'd be different. Cause there's, there's different ways to do that. Right. That setup, Right. He just kind of like pours it all over himself with his mouth open. I, I don't know. This is a winery, man, not a bar. You're not here to get drunk. And he's like, I need to get drunk. You have the drink. Make it fucking happen. And he even offers him, like, why don't you just buy a bottle and go outside? Why Why all the pretense, man? The guy's, guy's asking for a drink. Just give him a drink. Fuck's sake. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the rules of these places are, but it, it didn't seem like he was being outrageous or whatever, you know? I don't know. That whole scene is just really tragic. It's really it's really sad to like have the full perspective of it and know that he just got told basically like your book's never going to happen. You're going to have to become famous before you can get this book on the shelf, you know? Yeah, that is kind of what they were saying, right? They're like we just don't know how to market it. I'm not the most avid reader, but I guess I do hear about books more often because they've become famous books. Sure, yeah. The first book is is apparently the hardest one. You're an unknown person, nobody knows your name. The book has to kind of have its own merits. If he had already sold one book that like did reasonably well, they could just say, okay, well, we don't have any way to market this book really, but it is written by a guy who has another book that people liked. So at least the people that like that one will buy this one. So we'll just go ahead and green light it. And that's kind of how a lot of people get repeat books out is the second book wasn't as good as the first, but it had the success of the first to sort of like boost its numbers enough to get it published. Right. And that, it seems like that's what they're telling him is we don't have an angle for this one. Come out with a different book keep this one, keep working on it, make it better, but it's it's ready to go, basically, you know, just wait until you have, like, an actual... It seems like the kind of thing he might have been able to sell to somebody else to, like, put out under their name. Like, oh, I'll just sell this book to Brad Pitt, and that way he can claim that he wrote this book, he can put his name on it, but it's my book. And I don't think any writer, like, wants to do that. Right, but... like, I see some books with co-authors, and I want... now that you mention it, I wonder if that's part of how that happened, because I was like, how do you write a book with somebody else? And it's, it's probably just because somebody had to have a name on it that was recognizable. Yeah, that's possible. It, it could also be that it was, like, if the topic of the book is, like, research-relevant or whatever, maybe they were, like, helping with the research, and they gave them credit as a as an author as well, even if they didn't write as much of it or, or, or you know what I mean? Right. It's so like if they had, if it's like a book on like, uh, like a really hyper specific topic, then maybe that's what it was. They did all the research and the other person just wrote a cool narrative around it, you know? So I, I just want to bring it up because I feel like it wasn't, I don't know if it was just, you know, preparing us to realize like that he's already at a low point or something like that, but he stole however much money from his mom there when they were going to visit. And I'm assuming that's just, you know, bankrolling the trip, but we don't, Talk about that again. I thought that that was really interesting because it's kind of like the opposite of Save the Cat, right? We talked about Save the Cat before where we kind right. of ingratiate ourselves to a character by doing something that like makes them look good. This is the opposite of that, right? This is kind of to let us know he's at a low point in his life. I loved that part of the scene. I didn't like the follow-up part because the first part of it is basically just, hey, I'm going to go inside and use the bathroom or whatever. Goes inside, steals money from his mom, looks at all these pictures of his dad who isn't living with his mom, so he either left or he's dead. His 
his ex-wife and their their marriage photos and he, and he takes this money and he goes back downstairs and then they talk about basically what just happened she is like hey whatever happened to your ex-wife what's going on with that why don't you get back with her why don't you go out there and find a different you know person to get married with it's been two years already you know you've been in a slum for two years geez do you need money and then he's also drinking out of a margarita glass instead of like a wine glass which feels, right. feels like that's not what he's about you know <laughs> like why'd you give him a margarita glass what the fuck i know they keep flip-flopping between him being this wine snob and just like somebody who <laughs> who just drinks excessively i think uh in that scene specifically i'm pretty sure the mom gave a wine glass to jack so she had two wine glasses, one for her and her wine appreciating son. But now she has a third person there and she's like, oh, I don't have a third wine glass. I just have the two. So you get the margarita glass, son, and this special actor man will get. Oh, yeah. That's how I read it, at least. And I, if I were to be writing this scene, I would think that's genius. I'd be like, oh, my God, no one's going to notice this. But as a as a person making up this scene, I think this is brilliant. If I'm just completely misreading it, you know fuck me no, no that that works about as well as mine um probably better actually so, i did so i really I, did love that that scene though i liked the the visual part of it when they actually were like basically saying all those things out loud i was like oh come on we just saw all of this in a very touching moment no uh, or or even like you know we've already made it clear that the mother is like uh just starstruck by uh mike uh, by jack there and we have to keep touching on it you know which is funny i guess like there's some humor to the scene where it's like you didn't tell me a certain someone was going to be showing up with a certain someone I was going to ask you that, like, were there any parts of the movie that were actually, like, comedically, uh, like, you actually found they were funny? I really liked the buildup at the end where it's like, he's trying to find a way to hide his broken nose. He's like, what does this look like to you? He's like, I don't know, maybe you got into a car wreck. Like, a scene has passed and now we're filling up at the gas station and he's like, let me drive. You know, you, you look, you look depressed. Like here, let me drive. I want to drive. And he's like, you got your seatbelt on. And he takes a left turn into a tree and then they keep going with it, which I appreciate They're like, nah, that's not good enough <laughs> and dump it in a ditch. I did like the, when, when he said, I, I just want to make sure you're being safe. When he said that, I was like, oh God, he's about to fucking get into a car accident right now. Um, See, that was, so what subverted me so much about it all is that, um, the whole movie, I'm prepared for this to have like the generic hallmark attributes where he's like, cause they were just talking about like, Hey, you should invite Maya to the wedding. And he's like, no, I'll do that. And he's like, you should let me drive. And if this was on the hallmark channel, it would have been like, where are you going, man? This is the wrong turn. It's like, Oh, don't worry. I know where I'm. And they would have ended up at Maya's house, you know? Oh, wow. That's so smart. I love that. Um, and instead of doing that, he's like still only, so that's what I, I wanted to bring it up again. Cause I mentioned, I just like mentioned how I liked the fact that it wasn't rapid wrapped up nice and cleanly mm -hmm. and at, there were several points in the movie where i loved that yeah so he's going through the scene where he's like oh you know i just i think i love stephanie and i just i don't know we could we could get a vineyard out here man and it's this again this hallmark buildup of like i think i'm gonna leave my wife for this woman that i've met for three days it's very hallmarky and then we we kill all that feeling with yeah you think uh, she looks like two tons of fun which is horrible by the way jesus fucking christ the worst fucking thing he could possibly say there but like it just it brings us back to like oh this isn't this isn't some heartwarming realization that he's married the wrong person he's actually just like i know that was the build-up in the beginning but there wasn't a character development scene he's still just out here getting his rocks off before saturday and i i love that it felt like the whole movie kept doing that to me and i really enjoyed it i really think because of all of that i think this movie would have been perfect fucking 
perfect. If it ended on the scene of him drinking the 61's Salon Blanc or whatever it is in the fast food place. Yes. Oh, I'm glad they threw that in there. I almost paused it and like rewound to make sure that it was the one he was talking about. I was like, I'm just saving it for a special occasion. I think it should have ended there and no like resolution with Maya. Just leave that as like a, you fucked it up. It's fucking ruined. Cause I like this movie as these are all the things that you think are important, but they're not actually important. None of these things fucking matter. Sometimes people just do really well, even though they don't deserve to do well. Up until that point, we had no confirmation that his book was really good. Other than the one conversation with his like agent who kind of like, that's her job is to tell you, this is a good book. We're going to be able to sell it. Keep paying me money so I can try to sell your book. Right. We don't have any like, non-biased person telling him like this is a really good book until the conversation with Maya who like gives us these added details and it becomes clear that he's been struggling with like a lot of depressing and anxiety inducing things his whole life apparently all of these details in the book about like his dad committing suicide and his sister just being a total wreck and all this stuff it's from his life with that context it makes him a much more lovable and forgivable you know we can have sympathy for this character but without it it just seems like the point of the movie is instead those things that you thought were important like the the specifics of wine drinking and making sure that you're like this like you're pairing the wine with the proper cheese and you're eating fancy food and you're doing all this stuff it doesn't actually matter that stuff's fucking dumb and you should just enjoy your life for what it is and that felt like such a beautiful ending to me and i get right. why the maya ending is it feels good for most people but i like the ending of let's just embrace respecting and appreciating your life as it is and i guess the uh if we were to change the movie in that way we should change the scene where he's in class and he's like listening to the kids read the book change it so that he's like actually engaged with it and he's trying to teach these kids and he's loving like the mundanity of his life and it like caps off in this fight eating at a fast food place and drinking this very special wine yeah i kept on thinking that they were going to do something like that as well where it's um basically everything you said i'm just going to completely agree with you there uh where, where <laughs> yeah because because we we start off with him being like the most the absolute snob like he he kind of loses that all the way through it he's just like yeah yeah that's great you know and it's kind of all just shoved in his face when he gets to see his ex-wife speaking of like subverting my expectations and stuff like that so they did the they did the thing after they go to stephanie's house and have that first night together and then i'm assuming jack stays there and and they he gives her the manuscript and and they do that thing where they like drive in different directions like that makes me feel a certain way it's like oh you know they're going they're going separate ways, you know, just to ham fist the piss out of it. But that wasn't right. it. You know, they, they meet again after that. I liked how they did that. And it, it really highlights the feeling that a lot of men have where it's like, well, I haven't heard from her in just 24 hours, basically. He doesn't hear from her for a day. Right. And then he sees her the next day and it's like they're getting along like great. That anxiety of that one day of not hearing from the person and men are expected to wait how many days before contacting a woman back, right? right. It's like it's like three days or so. I don't know what the rule is anymore because I'm a, you know, I'm one of those guys where I'm just like, give me your number. I'm going to text you. Hey, hope you made it home safe tonight. Had a good time. Can't wait to do it again. Again, and I'm sure women fucking hate that, but the type of woman who hates that is not the type of woman I want to be interacting with anyway. Yeah, yeah exactly. They do that same scene thing when, like, he's supposed to be, she's like, I'll see you at the reception, and everybody's turning right. Everybody turns right to go to the reception, and he takes a left because he, I don't know, this that's him... Where did he go out? He went back to his own fucking house after that, isn't it? Mm -hmm. he, he goes back to have the, I want to say that that's when he has the uh, 61 uh, Salon Blanc. At he the burger picks, joint? Yeah, he picks it up, goes to the burger joint, drinks it, and then the next scene is him like teaching class, and then the next scene is Maya calling him. Uh, yeah, Maya calling him was such like a uh, such a confusing end. It's the Hollywood end. Yeah. 
we we got to have that like but did he get the girl or not and it's like no i don't that's not the point the point isn't about the girl the point is about the rest of his life and they're like but did he get the girl or not yeah so there are so many good points of tension in this movie this movie is a master class in like building tension out of next to nothing because the plot is paper thin he's going to wine country to drink with his best buddy right right and the tension in the beginning parts of the movie are he wants to just go out and drink wine and have like a nice like time showing his buddy how to like drink wine and be good at that and his buddy just wants to get laid paul giamatti's character who's kind of trying to like lament the loss of his ex-wife and how he want, wanted to be with her, but she doesn't want to be with him and how that unfolds. And he wants to be respectful towards women. And he's like, well, you know, she works here and she works for tips. Of course, she's going to be nice to me. Come on, man. He's trying to be a reasonable dude. And Jack is like, no, nah, man, she said, hey, it's good to see you. That means she wants your dick. So that it's why that you mentioned that, because there's times where it kind of flip flops between who's being the reasonable one. They go like moments before the scene where he's drinking from the swill bucket. Jack's just trying to cheer him up. And even without that scene throughout the whole movie, you know, he's trying to teach Jack how to how to appreciate wine and jack's just like tastes pretty good to me yep this this one also tastes pretty good and then they go to apparently like i don't know the chuck e cheese of wineries i don't fucking know this place um yes that's exactly how they paint it up yeah yeah and he's like oh it looks like they uh they didn't even take it off the stem they ground up some rats in it now you've got this swill and the whole time jack's just like tastes pretty good to me and it's like oh look at jack 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 knows how to appreciate his life even though like he's gonna fuck it up at every turn and but like that's not even quite how they painted him up but like in those scenes at least jack was like more reasonable he's like hey man just relax and and let's go let's have a nice glass of wine even if it's it's pretty good isn't it so there's a version of jack that is a lot more likable i think they do a lot to try to make jack not a completely detestable person right right there's there's like the scene where miles comes back to the hotel room he seems kind of somber and he's like oh did you get some and he's being optimistic about it and the more he kind of jabs at him and he's like you a homo you're not into chicks and he's like no man just just leave it alone sure i'm a homo i don't care and he's like oh did you i'm sorry man you know and he like he comes down to earth and he's like oh i was being optimistic i thought things went well because you stayed out all night did you did you have performance anxiety like what happened and he even gets off the phone real quick with his fiance so that he can continue having the conversation with miles to talk about performance anxiety or whatever the problem was you know that he keeps that character like he never like fully comes away from like i'm the douchebag friend you know but he does like get down to like a a relatable like reasonable level just enough for us to be like this isn't a completely detestable awful person right he he is out here to get his rocks off but he's also out here to get his rocks off with his best friend yeah he wants to help his buddy get out of a rut he's trying to be what his buddy needs in in the and- only way that he like happens to know how because yeah. like he he's full on the this is my last single week like in his head that's the truth and he's just living that and that's the only way he knows how to help miles he's trying to turn a situation that he could just be completely selfish about into something that can also help his buddy and i don't think that that's terribly like healthy in the way that it actually works out but there's a version of this character that could have been done really really well where instead of focusing on getting laid maybe he's just like if owen wilson played this character basically he would just be like hey let's all just like open ourselves to whatever the universe brings us and like oh maya seems nice look let's see what she 
she's doing this evening. She seems like maybe she wanted to do something with us. Heartwarming, wholesome things that they like, do together. If it was basically uh, the whole story as written minus Stephanie, then this could have been a really wholesome movie. I, I think we could even keep Stephanie and just like, if we just took all the sex out of it, or even maybe kept some of the sex, just not as much of a focus on like, well, Maya's trying to get get with you. Like he does that line with Maya where he's like, well, I'm, uh, I don't know if you'll recognize this, but uh, come on down. We've got 4.8% APR, you know? And he says that line to her to try to like kind of impress her. And then later when Maya and Miles are like, oh, hey, let's leave the kitchen and go into the living room. They walk in and they can hear him doing that same impression for Stephanie in the bedroom. <laughs> I missed that part. That is so fucking funny to me because it just, it makes it so clear. Like that is who he is, man. He has his few lines that he's noticed have worked and he just keeps using them on fucking everyone, no matter what the situation is. Like you're already in the bedroom alone with her, bro. Stop trying to impress her. Yeah, you've got there. Like, fuck, I could understand. They could have skipped that entirely and just left the one where it's like, oh, I look familiar. Am I blah, blah, blah. And he's hitting on the waitress at the fucking the rib place. They could have just had those two scenes and would have been like, yep. But the, the third one, I didn't notice it, but that's brilliant. Mm -hmm. Well, hey, man, you got to look out for three. If you only catch two, you missed one. If they had cut that down a little bit, maybe not totally. Maybe that is the problem of his character is that despite being wholesome and opening himself into up to the universe, which is what he's trying to teach Miles to do, it sort of ends with him in these crazy situations where he's doing things he shouldn't be doing, which to me seems more realistic not everybody's gonna ha have a friend who's just having sex with like that's the it's so ridiculous it seems unrealistic now right. version of that character because i think that that character is realistic a, a lot of people will come across someone in their life who's really optimistic and is just trying to do whatever comes their way and sometimes unfortunately that winds up with them sticking their nose in something they shouldn't be sticking their nose in right right i think paul giamatti's character is really really honest to 2022 people he feels relatable as hell to people in 2022 there's a lot of people that feel that kind of anxiety that kind of depression there have just been too many things that have happened in their life for them to be able to live a happy go I'm not gonna be optimistic about it because like i already know i'm not gonna bother getting my hopes up i've suffered too much to be able to think in my head that like this beautiful waitress lady is actually being nice to me because she wants to talk to me like that i think she just she just wants her, her tips she just wants to get in and, and finish her shift up and go home and she probably does she's a college student she's getting her master's degree she doesn't want to deal with all this shit it just happened to be that a friend of hers said hey these guys came in they said they knew you uh, one of them was named miles and you said oh i know miles he's pretty cool yeah i'll hang out with you guys tonight that doesn't mean who's to say she even wanted to be with miles until they were talking and she he said that thing about the pinos and she right. was like damn that's intimate and actually kind of excites me you know i like that i like hearing people talk that way because by the end of the movie it becomes clear that like that's sort of her love language is is words that are interesting she sort of wants to hear someone talk intelligently to her match made in heaven i guess but like that could have been not the case up until that point i respect miles for having the decency to say and it and it doesn't come from a healthy place it's not because he's like trying to be respectful i don't think well, maybe it does. I'm not sure. But like, I think it does come from his anxiety and his depression and his self-dejection, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's it's a good thing for him to be doing, but like whether it comes from like an actual place of chivalry or not. It's hard to say. Yeah. It maybe doesn't even matter. Honestly, if you're treating people right, at least you're treating people right. I don't really care what the reason is, right? Right. We did kind of nail it with the fiance will basically not be in the movie at all, which is a little upsetting. Yeah, that's uh, we, true. God, I'm, I just, I can't bring up enough how much that I love that. And maybe that's not what they were doing. Maybe that was something I'm putting on this movie entirely on my own. And they were like, no, I don't, I don't know why you thought this was going to be a Hallmark movie, but that's stupid and you're stupid. But just the, the whole movie not doing that thing was really fun for me. Like mm -hmm. there was, 
there was no culmination at the end where they're like, you know, I am going to stay with Stephanie or we are going to open that winery together and I am going to make another novel. And it's like there wasn't there wasn't like a solidly happy ending until fucking they had the Hollywood one at the end. There was only one moment in the movie that I thought was genuinely excellent filmmaking. I saw this one moment and I thought this is this is it. This is the fucking top of the mountain for this movie. Did you have a moment like that? There probably wasn't one moment that stood out to me. I go out to get dinner after he gets beaten up, after he gets his, like, goes to the doctor and he's like, he feels hungry. So they go out to get dinner and they go to that ribs place or whatever. And it becomes clear that he's going to be hitting on the waitress and, and Paul Giamatti's, the character Miles gets up and he goes to the bathroom. And as he's walking to the bathroom, kind of rolling his eyes and groaning like, oh God, Jack's at it again. He enters the bathroom and the camera just focuses on the door as it's closing, stops right at the door. And as it closes right there in the bold black letters, men (laughs) yeah and i was like oh god that's uh there it is that's the top of the mountain and i and in my head i'm like is this the movie trying to tell me that like this movie is about the the duality of men like in modern society where there's that one piece of you that just wants to be like a wild animal and go out there and have conquests and like just live a lavish and wild lifestyle and throw caution to the wind and just every time you see a cliff you leap instead of looking and then there's the other part of you that has to lament and is just constantly suffering and thinking about horrible difficult life that you've lived and how nothing's fair and everything's difficult and nobody actually gives a fuck about you because you're just a fucking guy you're a low-tier nobody and that's the 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 thing that all men are struggling with at all times well shit yeah you didn't know you were watching a good movie now did you no, no. I'm telling you, up, up until basically the end, I thought that, like, uh, this was a Hallmark special. I do wonder if that's what the movie gets at. Because they talk about suicide, too, and that's, like, a problem that I don't know if in 2004, but we know now it's specifically as terrible for men. It's, like, 70% of all suicides every year. Yeah. That's, that's insane. I know. They even, like, push it pretty heavily that one point where it's like, I'm not even important enough to kill myself. And he's like, what does that even mean? Because the, the the side of you that is, like, adventurous and, and is trying to do, like, the conquest and doing all the, like, all the, the manic side of you doesn't think that way. It doesn't think, do I even matter enough to kill myself or should I just keep drudging through my life every day and not even bother with killing myself because fuck it. That's a thought that you can only have on that other side of your brain where you're, like, thinking about the difficult times that you've had to suffer through and how people don't care about you and you're just another cog in the wheel and you're just... I don't I don't know if it was on purpose or not and i i want to be i think about this all the time i come from that school of thought where i'm like i want to be joyous about film and all film is something to celebrate you know dozens hundreds of people came together to make this thing work that really can't be like this with anything less than dozens to hundreds of people you know so it's a beautiful thing no matter what and i always come to these moments where i'm like am i putting too much in the film or was this the writer and the director and the editor and the cinematographer all these people came together and made a beautiful moment that really got the message across to me and i'm just overthinking it and again even in this small dichotomy that i'm giving you right now you can hear the ambitious side of me that's like yes everything's beautiful and and wonderful and amazing and then the side of me that's like no no it's it's all just meaningless chaos and i'm just stumbling through the never-ending whirlpool of life nobody cares and nothing matters have i lost the room (laughs) No, no, I, th- I think you're pretty spot on with it, honestly. Like, I, I missed the scene, apparently. Like, apparently I blinked and missed the men. But, like, the way you describe it, like, that's a pretty... That sounds like a really smart way to frame this whole movie, with it just being two halves of the life of your typical men. 
when the movie starts, there's this scene where they're driving, they pull out this Pinot and they start drinking it and he tells them, no, no, don't open it. It's special, you know, wait until we can get it chilled or, or something. And he's like, nah, I'm just going to open it. Fuck it. And he asks him like, well, wait, why is the Pinot white? And he's like, don't ask stupid questions like that. When we get there, everyone's going to think you're an idiot. And he starts explaining it to him. Then the scene kind of just fades out. And I'm like, no, I wanted to know. <laughs> what the fuck I'm glad you brought that up because I almost forgot about it and I was like because we had talked about like are they going to mention like any sort of alcoholism and I was like no no that, you know wine drinking is classy and these guys are doing the equivalent of drinking beers on the road while they're driving it just happens to be wine which I thought was like the least classy thing you could do but on top of that like they had different glasses at the mother's house and that was supposed to represent something they had two different wine glasses when they were just driving too in the car and yes, yes. I, yeah, and I, I assume that, like, if you're preparing this road trip, first off, if you weren't going to drink while you were driving, why did you bring glasses? And if you thought that far ahead, why did you bring two different glasses? But, I mean, like, if we just put that aside and, like, try to find a cinematography, like, uh, reasoning for it, you know, at this point, he's still trying to be the wine snob, so he's got, like, the champagne glass, and the other guy's like, nah, man, I just really need a drink, and so he's got the goblet. Yeah, he's got, like, the full-bodied glass, and the other guy's got the skinny one. In my mind, it makes sense, right? You're going on a trip to go and drink wines maybe you go to one vineyard and you're like all these wines suck let's wait to buy like a bottle at the next one you go to the next one it's got some good ones you buy a bottle to drink when you're back at the motel room when you guys are hanging out in the jacuzzi or whatever so you bring your own glasses so you don't have to be like oh shit we need glasses to drink the wine out of what do we do and you know your fucking slob friend is just gonna whoa whatever bro let's just drink him down <laughs> fuck you jack um i'm, I'm being mean to jack I, I jack is just a he is just a lost boy, man. He's just always going to be young for the rest of his days. He's he's the Rufio of the group, you know? That's mean to Rufio. He's worse than Rufio by a large margin. <laughs> I pity Jack, but I am concerned for Miles. Because, like, Jack is just going to keep doing this forever and is pretty much always going to be a terrible person. But, like, Miles doesn't have enough spine to, like, stand up and do what's right, you know? He did with Maya, but I think that's because he loves her and respects her. He doesn't respect Jack, and he doesn't respect the marriage that he has with Christine so he never tells Jack yeah I told Maya myself and he never tells Christine yeah Jack is going around fucking around on other women behind your back and I don't know if that was just the culture in 2004 I cannot imagine that it was just considered like yep my fiance is going out for a week uh and this is like his last big hurrah this is his bachelor party I expect him to be fucking women who aren't me I really doubt that that was just chill what 18 years ago it baffles me that the movie didn't end with it, it's weird to me that it ends with him reconnecting with Maya and not with him saying hey Christine you have to know it is kind of weird but like every time he brought it up to Jack he's like Jack you can't be doing that and even Jack is like you know I'm, I know that you should, that you care about me but um I need to do this it's just like, well, that's uh, good enough for me. Go on, Jack. Fucking be on with you. I hated how compelling that was. Like, in the moment, it sounds really good. It, until you realize the plight is just, I'm getting married and just, I'll never be able to do this again. It's like, no, you can cheat on your wife whenever you want. Like, it doesn't have to be before you get married. Yeah, why ruin this weekend where I'm trying to, like, go out and reconnect with myself and, like, find a reason not to kill myself? Why ruin this weekend to, to do that? Or this week to do that? Uh, you can do it any other time. And that's not really a plight, right? Like, that's that's a made-up issue. It's not real. I would love to hear the argument for this is an actual plight. It's an actual problem. It's real. It's legit. 
legitimate. It gets to the point where you start pitying him when he's like, if I don't have Christine, I don't have anything. I have nothing. And I would think that that would be the moment where Miles would have realized, oh God, the grass looks greener, but it's not. He really doesn't have it as well put together as it appears. But he never, it doesn't really seem like he has that realization. It baffles me. It fucking really does throw me through a loop that he doesn't say anything to Christine. In my mind, after all the things that he's seen and experienced with Jack, he should have been like, yeah, Jack's not ready to be married. He needs to like deal with the fallout of this and grow as a person as a result of the consequences of his actions. I need to be the person who like makes that happen. But I guess, I don't know, maybe I'm being the asshole, man. This, that's a lot to put on Miles. Does Miles ha even have any other friends? I mean, how close of friends are, are they at, the, at, at that point? Because like when he's trying to quickly patch the hole he's made with Maya, he's like, why are you judging me for what Jack did? I was his freshman roommate. It really seems like Miles, because of his, you know, he's the Eeyore of the group and people have a, a tendency to, you know, not treat Eeyore the way that, that Winnie the Pooh Bear does, where Winnie the Pooh Bear will go up to Eeyore and say, hey, come on adventures with us, spend time with us, be around us. We like being around you. And instead, in real life, what ends up happening is Miles is kind of depressing, isn't he? Yeah, I noticed that also. And he never wants to do anything. He's so fucking anxious and he's always fucking virtue signaling on us how we shouldn't be treating women and whatever. Jesus fucking Christ, what a buzzkill. Let's never talk to him again. And I'm I'm pretty sure that's where Miles is in his life right now, where systematically everybody has just decided he's too sad to be around. So we're just never going to talk to him ever again. And the only person who's like still giving him the time of day is this dude. And so it becomes a lot harder to say, hey, you should have done the right thing. You should have gone and like made him face up to what he's done and how like how helpless Jack is basically. How do you do that if you only have Jack as your only friend, the only person who like spends time with you other than your mom? Especially since Jack is like, they have between the two of them, this weird fucking um, gaslighting relationship or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Or it's like uh, Jack keeps on being like, no, 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 I'm uh, I'm trying to take care of Christine. I'm doing the right thing for Christine by not telling her about this because it would hurt her feelings. And, and, and Miles is just like, yeah, yeah, no, I get it. And then fucking like later on, they're like, you sure you didn't tell Maya? And it's like, no. And as a matter of fact, I should be mad at you for how this is going to make her feel. The whole thing is just like oddly toxic at every at every turn. I think that Jack feels alone when he's around those because he, he talks about it when he's like, man, what took you so long? I was in there and I was drowning, man. He doesn't like being around those people. They suck to him. But he likes Miles. He likes learning about things. He likes, you know, he thinks he's funny and interesting. Be that guy you were before the tailspin, man. Everybody likes that guy. So he likes Miles. He just thinks he needs to get him out of this rut. And it seems like there's so much opportunity for like growth and a loving companionship and a platonic bond of friendship and brotherhood. But I think you're right. They are just kind of people who are struggling, man. They're they're having a tough one and they're just getting by barely by the skin of their teeth every fucking day. Oh, this was a really good movie. I meant to bring this up before we we watched the movie, but I thought about asking you if like uh, you thought this movie was going to be like brain damage, where it's very transparently an anti-drug PSA. You know, there were times where I thought it was going to be that. So they're getting ready to have dinner together, and he's like, "Don't you drag me down, and don't don't go drinking too much, don't go to that dark place." And like we watch him drink too much, like, and even to the point where like Jack like puts his hand down and it like put, makes him put the bottle down. And he's like, "No, no, no, you're good. Like here, have some water or something like that." And it's like they re they really do push on the like oh he's 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 a wine connoisseur but also he's a drunk 
I, I like how they didn't they didn't try to hide that he's very clearly an alcoholic. He like drunk dials somebody. It is nuts to me how much they downplayed all the drunk driving that was happening in the movie. Oh right, I, I was like, so which one of them's the sober driver? Like, oh, they're just gonna not have him drive because he's been drinking too much at dinner. But they somehow make it to to the house and fucking then he drives home after drinking more at the house. They almost make it seem like the girls are barely drinking, other than Maya in the one scene at the house. She actually seems like at the house when she's at Stephanie's place she does seem like she's drinking quite a bit but every other scene she seems like she's pretty much sober effectively in my mind like if you're the waitress at like a place that like makes their own wine and like they kind of get by on like getting people drunk basically you'd be a pretty big stickler for hey make sure you get a taxi man it's california it's wine country i imagine the taxi services out there are fucking making bank so they gotta be able to get you at any time of night i would think I think, but it's like that house to see the way they made it seem was like it was kind of out in the fucking in the vineyard or something like that. Like everybody just lived out in the woods. Yeah, it was on like a dirt road and everything. Yeah, even even still, man, like movie logic, we could just say, yep, they could get a taxi out there. (laughs) And you'd never think anything of it. You'd think, oh, cool. They got taxis instead of driving home because they're too drunk to drive. Good to go. And I just I don't love that aspect of it because it's just one of those insidious things that like you'd never think about it but like your brain does i was really touched by the scene where like uh he's talking about why pinot noir is his favorite i did think it came off really good like up till then he he always talks in a really like almost condescending way about wine and like this one actually felt heartfelt that was like is he talking about the pinot noir grape is him is pinot noir like his relationships because like there was something buried in there and then she like did the same thing about just wine in general. I think that basically the way that it rolls out in my brain, what he's trying to express is this is how I need to be treated in a relationship. This is who I am. I'm a sensitive person. But if you kind of coax things out of me, you know, I'm really beautiful. If you take the time, I'll be worth the the effort, you know, even though I'm very fragile and I'm finicky and, and all these things, I can only really thrive in certain times or places. And she responds to that by basically saying, I love people for who they are what they've experienced you know like what they've gone through and what they've been able to overcome and i think that's what i love people for is effectively what she's saying and then she touches his hand and he's like oh yeah i drink other ones too also riesling's cool and then he goes to the bathroom he's like you stupid ruined it this movie does a pretty good job of showing what it's like sometimes as a guy like trying to get get back out there it's feast or famine man there were a couple of scenes that felt like they belonged in a commercial for california more than they belonged in a movie yeah especially a movie where we're already over two hours you know like just get rid of all of the like montage scenes that are just like really weirdly edited together in like panels or some of them start off kind of good but then just get to like oh it's just images of people working in a, vi- a vineyard yeah that part was especially weird because at least like we we know we're on a road trip through wine country it's in the fucking blurb and so as we're driving like every now and then they like zoom out and we get to see down the rows of the grapes and i'm like that makes sense and it's like and here's the migrant workers remember those guys and i'm like what the fuck what are we talking about now i don't know if that was just like in the contract it might have just been like hey if you want to film this in california you have to include like at least 15 minutes of just shots of california looking good and inclusive and like it's like a rustic and cool place to go and vacation inclusive they're, they're migrant workers we pay them three dollars like to harvest grapes all day that's not inclusive that's a predatory industry I think you have to think about it that way. If you look at it 
just the scene itself, it just looks like, oh, cool, they hired some people of color to work this farm, and they're paying them an equal pay, because they don't show you the scene where they're like, yeah, here's your $3 for today's work. Good job. You know? I mean, I guess, I guess that's just me, like, knowing that that's how fucking being a migrant fruit picker is is a thing like uh the onion industry could not survive without like mexican migrants coming in and harvesting fruit at sub usa wages so i know all this so when i see them harvesting the grapes as fast as they possibly can so nobody shoots them um like i like i know that's a thing but like whoever's watching this movie is like oh and they just they hire everybody yeah they hire everybody did it did it concern you that everybody is only Mexican? Yeah, like where's the where's the Asian guy working in the vineyard? Where's the yeah? I, I get it. Yeah, I think people in two thousand four did not know any of that and probably didn't even care that it was like oh it's cool it's inclusive it's people of color you know they probably didn't give a shit. Right. It might have just been Californians who were like see more people of color in movies and they're like well in a movie that's pretty much all white guys and one Asian lady. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's have like some other people of color, some Mexican or Cuban or whatever. Yeah, I guess you know, so. I don't know. I don't know exactly what it is, but I, I could see like California. Oh, hey, you know, we'll give out like a government stipend, a local government stipend to like let you shoot films here on the cheap or like get a little bit of extra kickback money for your filming here. But you have to follow these guidelines and the guidelines include showing, you know, migrant workers as if they're not like getting paid less or they're struggling. They look like they're happy contributing members of society. And that's how they fulfill actually that showing parts of like the wine distribution process because this is California. We don't want you just ragging on California when we just barely got into the world wine industry. Yeah, we, we snuck in by the skin of our teeth. I don't know anything about it to like speak on it like that, but I in my head, I imagine like other countries are just like, yeah, Californian wine is like the Walmart of wine. Like, look. They thought it like that for a really long time. And then there was this like secret wine tasting where like they snuck in Californian wine and didn't say it was from America. And they were just like, oh yeah, this is, this is good. Like, I don't know if it won or... It, it got high enough scores where people were like, this wine's really good. Where does it come from? They ripped off their Scooby-Noo mask and they said, America, yeehaw, motherfucker. And now <laughs> California is making wine on the world stage in like a not joke way. You actually drank that wine out of a cheeseburger, you idiot. <laughs> you fucking... <laughs> Which <laughs> Pinot Noir is like, no, Le, le Chucky Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> All the wines served here today were actually drank out of a revolver. <laughs> Yeah, we we shotgun blasted them into your mouth. Oh, that's what that was. I just felt like it had a nice kick to it. Like, yeah, it literally <laughs> does. Speaking of shotgun, it's like actually, if you open the bottle halfway down and then tip it up, you can drink the whole thing at once. Oh boy, this movie wasn't that funny. To be honest, I mean, yeah, there was not a whole lot of comedy, and it was hardly a romance. Yeah, if anything, like I understand why they didn't go as hard against alcoholism because they were kind of going hard on a lot of things. This movie can only be defined as a romance, really. And it's, like, heavier on the drama side of romance, but, like, it is dealing with, like, the fallout of one relationship and the blossoming of another one. I um, guess you could probably say some of it was handled, like, in a way that was ridiculous enough to be funny as well. Yeah, I, I think that the, the dong scene specifically is supposed to be funny more than it's supposed to be, like, oh, hooray, we actually had a naked man in a movie that also has a naked woman in it. That's good. Some equality, finally. I don't think most people view it that way. I think they mostly see it as, like, oh, ha, 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 naked man funny uh, which is weird to me i don't understand why people are that way about it I, or the I, the slapstick nature of uh jack getting the shit kicked out of him for being a cheating scumbag even that turns dark very quickly 
Yeah, it does. Definitely a point during that where you kind of have to be thinking to yourself like, oh, shit, she's going to kill him. Oh, for sure. Yeah, she kept going. And I was like, why do they have this off screen? Like, where is she hitting him? That's so dramatic. That, And then like the next scene, it's like, oh, we're just going to cover his face. I can't rightfully give that the like seal of approval for comedy because after like the first or second hit, you're kind of like, Jesus Christ, lady. Uh, One no, hit would have done it. <laughs> there's somebody out there that's like, yeah, get him, girl. You, yes, queen, beat him to death. I think that if you see that whole scene, there should be some point during that where you're like, oh, okay, he's had enough. Go, come on now. I think you're correct. I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but I'm just saying I think any person should be able to say she could have killed him. We're doing some movie magic here to make it just like a broken nose, basically, right? She, he should have had like a crushed orbital or something like that where he can't see out of that eye anymore or he's got a concussion. You know, she was fucking hitting this man i i don't know man like there's a certain point where it's like okay okay you know you got your licks in call it a day here i don't know i'm, I'm probably just being sensitive about it it does it does feel like comeuppance and that's good i think i'm i'm glad that like uh stephanie got her like she got her licks in that's good i i appreciated that this that that's how it all ended that there wasn't any any credence to their let we're, let's start a vineyard and and we'll have stephanie show up and and all that stuff like as as bad as they painted Miles to be throughout the whole movie, like it's not like they didn't paint the both of them badly, but there was room for your typical romantic comedy arc in Jack, and they didn't do that, and I like that. I agree. God, how fucking terrible would that be if, like, you know, she's sitting there all calm and collected, he gets up, and he's like, hey, baby, I got you this teddy bear and she's like oh that's sweet maya told me that you're getting married or something and he's like it's like oh i was just about to tell you yeah that's not happening anymore because i love you and your kid i could see a version of this movie where that happens we get a scene where he goes home and tells his wife and then they have a big fight about it and then he goes back to stephanie and you know has like his magical vineyard life with her or alternatively he just never tells christine and just never sees her ever again that would just be really i think that they made the right choice I think you're correct in saying that it was it was better to have it this way. I mean, I keep bringing it up because the movie that we're describing as being the worst way to do this is how many movies are done. It's yeah. just it's typically done on on the flip side of the genders. So it's like the husband says, I'm going away on a on a business trip. And the, the wife says, that's fine. I'm going to go back to my hometown for a week for no particular reason. And then falls. I'm going to fall in love with the stable hand. And then the husband's going to be like, hmm, I haven't seen my wife in a whole week and she's not at home. I am rightfully concerned. I'm going to go visit her hometown because like that seems like a place where I should look. And then they go they go to the hometown and she goes, honey, I, I'm sorry, but I don't I never loved you. And uh, it turns out that I love being the wife of a stable hand down here in my hometown. And he says, hmm. Yes. Well, that's perfectly reasonable. You have a good life. And that's the end of the movie. And there's uncountable movies that follow this formula. And so I just, I love that every time I was like, oh, it's this shit again. It wasn't this shit again. I cannot help but think of Moonstruck with Cher and uh, <laughs> probably the, the, the peak of the mountain for that archetype of film. But still, almost exactly what you just described is yeah, what happens. Yeah, basically in just that. There's a, there's a million Hallmark movies that do exactly what I've described, and Moonstruck is probably the best one of them. Just because of the, like, wild scenes involving Cher and Nicolas Cage. Good lord. God bless you, Moonstruck. Rest in peace. Well, okay, is there anything that you wanted to say before we go ahead and call this one a day? Because I feel like we've kind of covered just about everything we've got. Is there anything you're hiding in your back pocket? I did I have... like that, uh, I don't know when this was supposed to be set, but the burger place had those styrofoam cups that are apparently, like, the worst thing for the environment since ever. Uh, accurate of the time. But, but yeah, I love that of him drinking wine out of that. 
That was fun for me. The most low-class thing you can possibly drink wine out of. Just two things for me. Uh, there is that one scene kind of early on where uh, they had just... They're, they're having, like, breakfast together. Jack says to Miles... He's, like, talking to him about how he's, he sees a therapist and how he's on uh, Xanax and, and all this stuff. And he's like, yeah, you got to get off that stuff. Get rid of it. It ain't, it ain't doing nothing for you. You just, need to, you just need to hook up with some chicks, man. That's what you need to do. Isn't that such a 2004 thing for somebody to say? It'd be like, yep, medicine and therapy are not going to help your mental state, but pussy sure will. What the fuck? No, I, <laughs> I forgot that one, but now that you're mentioning it, I, I do love when they're going golfing, and they're like, come on, man, don't you think Don't you think it'll be nice when that cozy box is wrapped around your Johnson as they're walking by the fucking dude and his kid? Yeah, yeah, that's, that was pretty funny. I'll, like, I'll, uh, I'll just... give the movie that one. That was comical. And then the last thing I have is that uh, when he's having that conversation with Victoria at the end, and she admits that she's pregnant right now, and that's why she's not drinking, it seemed like the movie wanted us to think that was significant for some reason, and I I can't tell if it's because like he's realizing that there's more to life than like going around and, and drinking your sorrows away and like you should be working towards like a family and like having a more I don't know typical life I, I, I guess maybe it's telling us that Victoria married Ken six weeks ago because she found out she was pregnant and they got married because she's not showing that she's pregnant he didn't know and it's been six weeks since the marriage and maybe what I don't know a couple weeks before that she finds out she's pregnant and she's like hey we gotta get married i, I kind of like the first reading a little bit better because like he's almost scoffing when she's like oh no i don't drink and he's like oh dude he's he's scoffing as almost like uh oh you did you think it, you had a problem like i don't have a problem i just drink because and she's like no it has nothing to do with that it's because uh i'm pregnant and my priorities are just that like i, I didn't think it was a problem i just i've got better things to do and he's like it, oh oh yeah <laughs> I guess there are better things to do. Now I'm going to go home and mope. Or I'm gonna <laughs> not, not go home and mope. Now I'm going to go home and drink that last wine I have. It feels like that the way that the movie ends on him going and seeing Maya and her like basically saying everything's okay between us now sort of robs Miles's character of any kind of like big thing that he realizes about himself or how to live life or how to like be a happy person or whatever, you know? Yeah, it's it, like the takeaway is like it's a happy ending. I didn't completely fuck everything up with Maya. And it's like, no, you you have other problems. It really does seem like the movie does think, yep, all these things won't fix your life, but the love of a good woman does. And it's like, well, Hallmark, we're in Hallmark now. We did it. Yeah. Which is weird because it had an opportunity for an ending that's just like, I'm going to embrace like living a simple life and not trying to like sell a good book that gets published and people take it up right away. Maybe I'll just write for fun. And maybe that could have been a, a scene that we got after he just drinks his, his big special wine for fun while, while having onion rings and burgers and then he goes and teaches his class and he's very excited about it and then he goes home and he's like writing his paint writing down all kinds of crazy ideas that could have been just a good way of showing that he's starting to embrace loving life instead of moping about it i'm not saying that that's great either because then it just seems like well maybe if you hit rock bottom suddenly you'll skyrocket out of your depression because you've just had such a tough time no sometimes you hit rock bottom and then you just keep digging so none of these are perfect endings i just like that one a little bit more <laughs> could have been something more than just like oh thank god the love of a good woman fixed all my issues. Jeez. Okay. Well, a pleasure as always. Well, every time. Good to, good to have you. Good to be had.